Welcome to the Scuff Podcast, where we talk about U.S. soccer. We have a roster for the final two games the U.S. will play before the World Cup. Friendlies on the 23rd and 27th against Japan and Saudi Arabia. And we also have some Champions League action to catch up on. Greg, how are you? I got to say, Bells, I'm doing good. Uh, You know, roster leaks notwithstanding, there was still that rush, you know, of the announcement when they finally, when you finally see the names and you race through it to see who's there, who's not. Uh, But I got to be honest, it's a little bit bittersweet because uh, I'm also kind of mourning what I think is probably the uh, the undoing, the the uh, dissolution of the striker hat. I feel like the striker hat has probably run its course at this point. As in, um, maybe you don't believe Greg Berhalter when he kept, kept insisting this isn't the final <laughs> roster? I mean, I, I believe him in, in the technical sense because, you know, that's exactly what a coach believes. I mean, Berhalter believes that too because he knows that uh, you you map out all of these different contingencies, and so of course it's possible that X, Y, or Z could happen, and you have to bring in a new player. Uh, players could play their way out of this group uh, in this camp, I imagine. Um, but I think this is I think this is about as I think this is what the roster looks like in his mind right now, barring you know Tim Weah and Jedi Robinson. Right. Well, let's let's listen to what he said about that, be just because it's uh, you know he he disagrees with you. <laughs> at least formally. It's important to keep in mind that this is not the final roster. It's not the final roster for the World Cup. Right? A lot can happen between now and November 9th is when we're, when we're announcing the final roster. The actual date for FIFA is November 14th, and a lot can happen between the 9th and the 14th. Not only is it not the final roster, but the final roster isn't the final roster. <laughs> <laughs> and again, of course that's the case, right? If someone does a hammy... Uh, you know, walking around their apartment after their roster has been announced. That's it. We replace it. We replace them with someone else. And we probably have a, he probably has a good idea of who those replacements would be in, in any scenario. Uh, but no, I do. I mean, I do think some of that is just sort of coach lip service about, you know, no, nothing's guaranteed, which again, from, from a purely logical standpoint, of course that's true. Right. 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 But I'm reluctant to believe that there are any players, healthy players who are like locks in his current you no know, mind for the 26 that are not in this camp i'm, I'm basically yeah, i mean we're, we're just talking around i'm talking about pfock right yeah yeah it's mostly <laughs> pfock i mean reem gets a little bit of a shout there too i think he's sort of in the same a similar category not the same category let's let's do the roster so the the goalkeepers are going to be matt turner ethan horvath and sean johnson uh the way i have it split up is the right backs are going to be serginio dest deandre yedlin and reggie cannon um, I mean, Scally, Joe Scally is also on the roster. I'm calling him a left back just for the purposes of this exercise. Um, center backs would be Walker Zimmerman, Cameron Carter Vickers, Chris Richards, and Aaron Long. And then left backs, Joe Scally as a swing back, sort of. And then Sam Vines. I appreciate your uh, your editorial decision to split the right backs up and, and the right backs and the left backs up with the center backs because it is a little bit, uh, it's actually kind of vague of how Halter is going to approach this, right? We're going to learn a lot, I think, even from that first uh, lineup announcement against Japan of who he considers the, the next left back with Jedi out because it could be Dest, it could be Scally, two nominal right backs, or it could just be true left back Sam Vines. Yeah. Well, let's let me let since we're since we're on the topic, let me re, let me play Burhalter's clip about that because he was asked 
Are you open to playing a right-footed left back? I believe by Ivis Galarsip. Regarding the openness to, you said more open to play um, a, a right footer at left back. You know, I think we've done this um, a lot of times. We played right footers there. When you think about Serginho, the goal he scored against Jamaica, remember that one? Um, think about Nations League final. Serginho started on the left-hand side. Um, just in this last window, Joe Scally played on the left-hand side. So that's something we've always been open to. I think it unbalances the defense when you can have a fullback coming inside. Um, so, you know, one of the things we're preparing, if Anthony Robinson can't go or he gets injured or suspended in the World Cup, is who can fill his shoes. With Sammy Vines, I think this is a great opportunity to, to look at him. He's a guy that, um, you know, is in the form of his life. I've been speaking close with his, with his staff, with his coaching staff. Been very, they've been very impressed with him. And then the other option is to look at a, a right footer there, which I'm sure we'll do in this camp. Um, so, you know, we're excited about, you know, the opportunity to look at some other guys. We're going to miss Anthony, but, um, you know, hopefully he's going to recover and be back in time for the World Cup. That, that sounds like Vine's going to be the, the, first, the first name there, right? That's not how I took it. All right. Honestly, I mean, I mean we're, you know, we're all just like reading between the lines here, but <laughs> I think Vine's, Vine's is getting a shot, but sounds to me more like the inverted left back is going to be the first choice, unless all Vine's right. really, I don't know. What do I know? All right. And I know we're just totally breaking up this roster listing that we're doing, but uh, uh, his, his discussion of playing those right footers on the left side, they've tended to go kind of poorly. Like we've kind of neutralized Serginho Dest when we put him over there. I know he had the goal against Jamaica, but as we broke down in that post-friendly uh, uh, pod, like the the right side of Jamaica's team in that match, this was right after COVID, like yeah. was barely playing professional soccer. And even when they were, they were not, very few of those players were playing at a high level. It was like USL2 guys uh, out on the field taking on Serginho Dest and Christian Pulisic, who was his partner on that side of the field. So... You know, that was the one big highlight of the right footer on the left side. But then that Mexico uh, Nations League final, Dest was almost completely ineffective in his 50 or 60 minutes Uh, against El Salvador away when Dest played out there totally ineffective in that game. Like it was just kind of a waste. And then obviously Joe Scali uh, wasn't contributing to the attack. I think it's fair to say in his in his friendly appearances, certainly not in any kind of a difference making way. Right. And I think if you want to, um, one issue is, which we haven't even discussed yet, if you're going to have Dest playing inverted left back, you need a, a left winger who's going to hug the touchline, you know, feet on the chalk. And we, we know Christian Pulisic, Pulisic doesn't generally like to do that. I mean, I guess he could be instructed to do it and, and follow the instructions, but he, he likes to come inside and, you know, go at the, go at the box from, from the middle. It's strange, Belsa. You're already demanding that Jordan Morris start as our left winger uh, with Serginho Dest behind him at left back. But uh, I'll let I'll let our fans, uh, I'll let our listeners uh, hit you hit you back on that one. Yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I promise, I'm not doing that. All right, let's let's move on to uh, defensive midfield. It's very straightforward. It's Tyler Adams and Kellen Acosta. They are going to be the defensive midfielders at the World Cup. It, it, I think you could put money on that, and then. Center mids are Weston McKenney, Eunice Musa, Luca Della Torre, and Malik Tillman. Um, I do want to play a quick Berhalter clip on Tillman. 
because you know we've we've noted that he didn't play as well in his last two games in our various episodes. This is Berhalter. He's done well, but he needs to do better. He needs to increase his level. You know, um, disappointed with his last couple of performances against Ajax and, and Celtic, but he's he's got a ton of quality in him. And, you know, that's the conversations I'm having with him is that he can help this group, but, um, you know, he needs to pick it up a little because, um, you know, he's a guy that, you know, the coaching staff was highly impressed with and think he's got a huge ceiling. So it, it's great to see um, you know, the start that he had. And now it's going to be about in these next bigger games, right? When he's in the Champions League, can he do the same type of thing he's doing in the Scottish League? That's going to be interesting, interesting to see. Sounds about right, doesn't it? And it's like, it's like uh, I think some people on Twitter took exception to this quote saying, well, like as if he was picking on Tillman, but it sounds to me like it's an open door for Tillman. This is a challenge to him if he can raise, quote, raise his level here in the next couple months, he's going to go to the World Cup. So, yeah. And, and I'm, I'm glad Berhalter used the word ceiling there because, uh, you know, we've talked about it. This is this is exactly what you would bring a uh, Malik Tillman to the World Cup for is a couple of moments like, uh, you know, he has a tiny sample size of actual professional soccer. So, uh, you know, when he has two bad games in a row, that's like a significant portion of his career. Uh, but he had two or three good games before that. Right. So it's like uh, you're, you're going to have this wide band of performance possible outcomes. And so you bring a guy like Tillman, I think not because he's ever going to be the starter in this tournament, but because he might be a guy who can, come in and produce something when you need it. And so I think that's probably all he has to keep doing is showing like flashes. If he shows a flash of, of something brilliant uh, and, and it might need to come in this camp or it might need to come in the European games, because I don't know that uh, flashing brilliance in the Scottish league is going to be enough Mm-mm, to keep him on the spot. Not. Cause I, I imagine, I mean, I mean, again, just because of how stacked we are in some of these attacking positions, uh, it's going to be hard for him to, uh, I think sneak in when Tim Weah comes back over. I think uh, Greg Berhalter obviously very, very much trusts Jordan Morris and Paul Ariola, And those would be the guys Tillman would have to sneak in over once Weah comes back. If everyone's healthy. Yeah. One of them. He, he, has, he has to sneak in over at least one of them. And I think the, what it sounds like to me is if Berhalter can trust Tillman to go out there and essentially play hard the whole time he's out there, uh, then that's going to give him a much better shot at coming, you know, getting on the roster. He did say, you know, so Way and Jedi are injured. Obviously, they would be on this roster. Otherwise, Berhalter said he basically called them locks for the roster, which is not, you know, that's not news. Uh, the wingers are Christian Pulisic, Giovanni Reyna, Brendan Aronson, uh, Paul Ariola, and Jordan Morris. Of course, Reyna and Aronson presumably can play in the middle at center mid um and then the strikers and this is where most of the controversy most of the questions from in the press conference were about this are ferrera Sargent, and pepe so pepe's kind of back from the wilderness he got his you know first significant minutes in europe in a long time at groning in over the weekend and he's back in the roster and berhalter did a lot fielded a lot of questions trying to explain why is he why is he here and pfock is not and um, I don't know. Do you want me to play? I have kind of a long clip on that. Should I play that? Let's hear. Let's hear what he says. So it's a question from Doug McIntyre. I'll I'll include the question because it uh, kind of makes the answer clearer. Yeah, just regarding the strikers, um, Ricardo Pepe comes in. The reasoning behind that, and um, you mentioned 
PFOC scoring, but he, he's not brought in. You've talked in recent weeks about, you know, picking the, the right, the, the players that fit the best as opposed to necessarily the best players. How much of that came into the decision on Jordan? Why, why didn't you bring him in despite the hot start he's had? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. So starting with Pepe, you know, keep in mind, this is a guy that um, scored three goals for us in World Cup qualifying, right? And, um, and has, had, has had a tough time since then. And exactly what you said, we're trying to get him confidence. We're trying to get him into the group and see if he can make a push for the final roster. You know, that's TBD right now. You know, I watched this game this weekend in, in, in Groningen and, or in Canberra, actually, and you can see that, um, you know, he can be dominant in the Dutch league. And now it's a question of if he actually is and, and can he really um, take his game to the next level. But um, we saw some good things from him and we'll get him in the group and see what he can do with us. Regarding Jordan, um, again, it's a difficult one. You know, when we wanted to, when we wanted to take a look at Pepe, we wanted to take a look at, um, at Josh due to his hot start and he's been with the team for a while as well. So it's it's never easy, and it was a decision that we weren't going to bring in four forwards. We didn't have we didn't feel like we had enough um, game time to give four forwards an opportunity. So we we went with these three, and we're pretty confident. We know Jordan's profile. We know what he can do, um, and we we didn't feel like we needed to see him um, in this camp to determine whether he can be on the roster or not. Yeah, it's it sounds like I mean he's formally leaving the door open for Pivac to be in the World Cup roster, but it's, it's probably he's not going to be on the World Cup <laughs> roster, right? There's there's enough there, right? There's enough there for Pivac truthers, and I don't mean that in a in a uh, it, it sounds condescending. I don't mean that in a bad way. I, I want Pivac on this roster in, in the World Cup. Uh, there's enough there to cling to, right? That it's possible that unless Pepe like lights things up in this camp or or really starts killing it in in uh, the Netherlands that PFOC can be added without, without a second thought, right? Like we don't, we, we bring him in, he's good. He, we drop him into the uh, group and we're fine. So there's enough there to cling to it, but it's, this is definitely one of those cases with Pete Pepe in uh, where, you know, for these national team call-ups for as long as we can remember form matters unless it doesn't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it's always, always, always about who the coach believes in and form is like uh always feels like a secondary consideration. And I don't even mean that as a, as a complaint either. I personally think that's the right way to do it. I don't always agree with who a coach thinks is, is the right player to do something, but I'm, I'm never just like trying to argue on a technicality that this player is informed. So they should be called. I don't think it should be like a revolving door of who scored the most goals over the last uh, 10 games. That's who you bring in. Like, I don't think that's a great way to build a team either. So, so I can respect this. I don't think it had to be either or like, I think they that PFOC could have been in, even if there aren't enough match minutes to go around, it's the last camp, right? It's the last setting that you have the group together. Right. And I think, so I think even in that sense, it would have been important The the training is probably like in a lot adjacent to PFOC flat. So, uh, the camps in Germany, PFOC in Germany. So it feels like we could have yeah. had him in without doing, without too much trouble. Yeah. And if we wanted him to be part more familiar with the group, part of the team spirit that we have a clip about that we'll play later then you would want to bring him in the camp i would think i mean several other reporters came at the pfoc question in various ways goff strauss tannenwald and and burhalter basically just kept praising him and the success of the early part of the season for union berlin 
but he didn't give any more real explanation for his omission other than like, we know his profile. We wanted to evaluate other players. And again, Berhalter kind of prepared everyone for this uh, with the, with the talk earlier in the week about looking for the right profile, not necessarily the right striker, which again, I, I tend to agree with this like uh, approach to building a team, but also where I, where I think you run into issues is, uh, I don't think you to construct a roster, especially with 26 players, three extra players. Uh, I don't think you want carbon copies of, of positions the whole way down. Mm-hmm. I think that can, you can run into some problems here. And this is this is really the big question for me is, uh, you know, we've talked about this. A lot of people talk about PFOC as the, the chasing a goal option. Right. That's how we've kind of framed it, too. Uh, I don't think that's quite accurate. Right. So you're not necessarily just going to bring PFOC in anytime you're chasing a goal. Uh, what what matters is sort of how you're performing and if you're creating chances. So if you're if you're performing well, you could still find yourself losing late in a game. Uh, and for anyone who's listened very carefully to this podcast, we've discussed <laughs> variants before. Uh, so you know you could you know Tim Way I could set up Christian Pulisic for a perfect tap in opportunity that he hits right at the goalkeeper's shins, right? Or Gio that's Reyna never could, happened. That's never happened. <laughs> Gio Reyna could cushion the ball expertly to Jesus Ferreira, who skies it over the goal. Like, those things can happen. But if you're creating those chances over and over, late in the game down one, you wouldn't just say, well, we've got to change up. This isn't working. Like, it's working. You just need you just need the ball to bounce your way one of those times. So you wouldn't necessarily change there. What PFOC represents to me, uh, and the reason I think it's probably hard for a coach like Berhalter to, uh, to like, really want to bring him in, is PFOC represents, like, a hedge. Uh, almost like a hedge against everything that the team has been working for, everything that Burhalter has been trying to build. Yeah. Because what you're saying is like, I think we're going to play this way. I think this is how we're going to succeed. And PFOC doesn't fit into that. But what I'm thinking is like, there is a chance and you have to leave open the possibility that it just does not work at all. Like everything you've been trying to do is, is just absolute rubbish once you get on the field and through two games of the world cup, maybe you're sitting on one point of a zero, zero draw with Wales and you've attempted four shots in the entire tournament and you have to be like, it's not working. We thought it was going to work. We worked really hard at it. We've got to switch. Yeah. And he's so, like the, he's like the red phone option. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's less like chasing a goal and more just like chasing any kind of offense. If you're, if, if what you suck, if you suck, if it just is not working at all, it's like, okay, this guy can come in and do something else. And, and, and again, I know his numbers are a little bit inflated based on his underlyings, but it kind of doesn't matter. He's playing well enough in the Bundesliga where he's he's making an impact. And I don't just mean bottom line stats. I'm talking like you can watch him play and you can see how he disrupts teams and that benefits his his partner up top, Becker, right? You can see him do these things that influence the game and you can see why that could be useful if if the current way we want to play doesn't quite match him. But if it's the current way we try to play just is not working. Yeah. So it's almost like a humility thing to be like, it might not work. Berhalter apparently is just, if, if he leaves him out and runs with Pepe Sargent and Ferreira in Qatar, I mean, he's just fully going all in, right, on, on what he thinks will work and he's committing to it and uh, hell or high water, that's what we're going to go with. And it could, it could work. Yeah. And it's possible, you know, we just, we all just, we just made this all up, this idea <laughs> of a change of pace option, whatever you want to call it, red phone, uh, nuclear option, whatever. It's like maybe Berhalter's never really been thinking about it that way. Like he doesn't he doesn't consider that necessary. I feel like it is kind of a good idea, but 
to have that option, but that's that's where I land. And, and it, the same thing kind of applies with the with the center backs. That's the same thing for either Tim Ream. I mean, John Brooks isn't playing for Benfica yet and may never get on the field for Benfica. Who knows? Uh, but those guys, you know, they, he talks about having a, a type of center back, and I, I understand it. Right? I understood that Brooks could when when Brooks lost out in that window uh, when he was when he was hurt allegedly for that window he was called up to in October, and it made sense that like okay, well, we would start the the pressing center backs anyway but there could be situations where you don't need pressing center backs and you need uh, a distributing center back and if you've only brought one type of center back then again it's sort of you're just putting all the eggs in one basket and Mm -hmm. and with 26 players that for me seems unnecessarily risky okay well a a few more things on the press conference uh he was asked Berhalter was asked about Brandon Vasquez, not nearly as much as PFOC, but he was asked about him. And he said, essentially, he's been playing well. He's had a, a great season and he feels bad for him, but he's up against players who have familiarity with the group experience in big games for the national team. And, uh, and you know, he did bring up Pepe's scoring three goals for us and qualifying quite a few times on the, on the call. He also brought up that Sargent has played some, played in some important games for the U.S. Not hasn't performed particularly well for the U.S., but I think they're, you know, my opinion is there are reasons for that that are sort of out of Sargent's control a little bit. Yeah, if if ever there was a perfect like a uh, world example of of our brick wall height metaphor, it's it's been Pepe and Sargent over the past four months, uh, where Sargent has finally been measured. Uh, you know, I don't I don't think it's necessarily just like he hit a streak of hot form. I think you know, obviously, a huge drop in competition level uh, is going to lead to more chances to attack and. That's what we're seeing. So we're just kind of measuring him. It's not just that he's a hot hand. It's like, oh, we finally get to measure him and he looks good. And for Pepe, it's been the opposite, right? He stood behind a much taller brick wall in the Bundesliga. and You couldn't see him anymore. Uh, and so I think this move to, to the Netherlands is huge because, you know, if he had stayed at if he had stayed at Augsburg, I think there'd be less reason to call him in because you wouldn't necessarily anticipate that he's going to start playing, that he's going to get sharp. And it's not that he's going to get worse. It's just he's not going to be I mean, he's not going to be match fit. He's not playing enough. But by going to the Netherlands, he's still the same guy he was uh, a year ago when he when he captured the imagination of U.S. fans uh, down in Honduras. But now he's he's going to get to play again. Like we can be pretty sure he's going to play in the Netherlands. And so it's like, okay, well, we'll bring him in now ahead of all that all those minutes he's going to get, trusting that he is going to, uh, you know, get back to match fitness and and be ready to go in November. And I'll say just very selfishly, <laughs> if. <laughs> If, you know, Pepe being in this camp raises the raises the odds that he's going to be in the World Cup roster, which uh, raises the specter of him scoring a goal at the World Cup, which then I would respond to by posting the Pepe song I wrote. So I'm <laughs> so very selfishly, I'm pleased that he's still in the mix because uh, I'm, I'm probably not going to be posting the Busio song anytime soon. Seems unlikely. I mean, yeah, yeah, it seems unlikely. Uh, no, I'm, I'm excited. I hope there is that Pepe song. I hope I hope you end up having to make a uh redheaded curly song for josh Sargent. i'm so i'm like so excited that we finally got to measure him because again as much as i'm like a the Ferreira voice i feel like uh i would i would gladly sit him for a josh Sargent who's who who looks better like, mm-hmm. and, and i don't think that's unlikely at all i think josh Sargent could look better uh in a week and and that's it he could be the starter so i'm i'm super pumped to actually see him take the field for a functioning U.S. team. Norwich won again yesterday, should be mentioned. He scored a, he scored the third goal in a 3-2 win, uh, a kind of a 
scrappy header off a off a corner kick, a good a good header off a corner kick. And even though he was playing on the wing, and I, I think he had a quieter performance, Timo Puki is it turns out is still very good at soccer, <laughs> and it's. <laughs> It's it's a shame that Sargent doesn't get to play center forward, but it's totally understandable. Dean Smith has some tough decisions to make, and we're we're seeing again that it it, it still matters less than just being at a much lower level of competition. Like right. his last his last three goals have come when he's playing on the wing. I know set pieces maybe got an asterisk on it, but but like the the fact remains, just by being on a team that is capable of attacking. Yep. He gets to attack and that we, we haven't, we hadn't seen that for three years. And we kept saying, we won't know until he gets to a team that can attack, whether he's the problem or the team or whatever combination it is. Uh, but now he's on a team that gets to attack and lo and behold, he's, a, he's pretty good at it. Yeah. It's, it's so much, it's so much less about what position he's playing and rather whether he's actually getting into the attacking third with his team. Uh, playing the same position he was playing in the Premier League last season, except when he was playing that position in the Premier League, he was basically a wing back. Now he's uh, now he's basically a second striker. So, and, and dis- despite all this excitement, just to wet blanket it a little bit, like uh, I still do think striker is going to be a relatively weak position for us. So even though I give Ferreira a ton of love for for the chances he creates, I still think he's probably you know even though I was leaning him out of everyone in the hat, uh, I still think relatively he's he's clearly like one of the weaker players. In our in our eleven, certainly in the attack, in the front three, front five, when mm-hmm. Dest is up there, Jedi's up there. Yeah. So sorry, yes. sorry to <laughs> sorry to throw that damper on it. No, that's okay. I uh, count on you for some dampers now and then. <laughs> Let's um, Berhalter got uh, another question about familiarity over level, which is sort of the underlying thing behind. Well, familiarity, familiarity slash fit over level, which is the underlying thing behind the questions about PFOC and Reem, but especially PFOC. And here's what he said about that. Yeah, you know, I don't think there's a case where there's a huge talent discrepancy and we went with, you know, the guy who has experience or has a body of work over, over that talent. Um, you know, you're talking about minor differences, I guess, in, in some cases. But, you know, for us, I don't think we're going to be, or I know we're not going to be the most talented team at the World Cup. And we're going to have to compensate for that by being, you know, a cohesive unit, by working for each other, fighting for each other, and having a great team spirit. That's just, we're going to have to do that if we want to be successful at the World Cup. So part of it is leaning on guys that have been there before and been around the group before and understand the team culture and understand um, their teammates really well. You know, that, that is part of it. It's not the only thing, but I would say that is part of the discussion that we go through when we're picking a roster. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, it's gotta be, it's gotta be part of the situation. I, I don't know that that's, that, that is necessarily the main thing with PFOC now that I, now that I listened to the clip again, but, um, because he's been with this group at least in, uh, at least in two camps, right? Oh yeah. He was in, I mean, he was in a few in Europe, uh, or at least one in Europe, uh, right after COVID, he was in the Nations League camp. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in the first World Cup camp in September, and then he was in the March camp uh, down in the Azteca. So yeah, so he's he's been around enough uh, that I, I, that again that is the the hope is that he's been around enough that you can just reintroduce him to the group, especially if any of the three forwards that we have in this next window, uh, you know, look way out of place, which could still happen because again, with our entire roster, there is there is actually like such small sample sizes we're dealing with that if somebody really has a shocker, we've seen it before 
they can be gone the next the next camp. So so two more things from the press conference I wanted to talk about. One, uh, Berhalter fielded a good question from Mike DeCourcy at Sporting News at Sporting News about not having a clear number one goalkeeper playing at a high level, and it it seemed pretty clear Berhalter is a little bit uncomfortable with the situation. He said, "quote We're working through it," but um, he did say that he is happy with Matt Turner's progress at Arsenal. He thinks he's actually improved as a goalkeeper there and um, Horvath is starting for Luton town and Sean Johnson is starting in MLS and both Horvath and Turner and also Stefan have uh, good experience in tournaments. He said about Stefan, I don't have a clip of, of, of it, but he said, you know, Stefan just needs to focus on getting in a rhythm in training and um, getting back on the field for Middlesbrough. He's been dealing with some nagging injuries, I guess. I don't know how much that is just a face saving thing, but uh it, it does seem like he, you know, he wasn't even in the squad for the last game for Middlesbrough. You'd think he would at least be in the squad if he were healthy. Yeah, you you, you just never know how. I mean, for a backup keeper who's not going to come in anyway, like uh, it might you might just rather have the other guy give give Stefan the the whole day off. I don't know, so I'm not I'm gonna not gonna draw too many conclusions about his Middlesbrough status. Uh, it wasn't ideal when the the manager was talking about the. Uh, the backup maybe sticking through it, but that could still just be the manager building up the confidence of the guy who's got to do the job for the next two games, you know, to say, uh, you know, I've, I fully back him. You can't um, believe what anybody says. You really can't. <laughs> I mean, it's, it is there, there are so many different incentives for how to frame co- comments from coaches. Uh, well, that's the, one of the, one of the frustrating, I think one of the things about Berhalter's comments on PFOC is you get the sense, you know, as question after question comes at him about why doesn't PFOC fit, that Berhalter just doesn't want to get into why he doesn't fit because it would, could be construed as criticism by PFOC himself. I mean, he, so he was very, very careful. He did not say almost anything about PFOC's game to justify the exclusion. And, and maybe that's just because he, because, because PFOC still has the inside track over Pepe and Pepe's getting a shot. But my gut tells me it's, it's not that. It's the other thing. Well, it just goes back to there being no return for for Berhalter to do. I don't mean no, like no, no, like a no return yeah. back to a relationship. I mean there's no returns uh, in value to saying something overly critical about a player there. Like there's right. just there's no benefit to doing that. There's no money in it. So, uh, you know, in my mind, that's probably the correct coach speak. Uh, because again, who knows? Even if these are his first three. Two of them could go down injured next week, so uh, you, you've got it. You've got to, You're trying to keep every door open for every possibility. Yeah. Whereas with Tillman, I think there is a return to being a little bit critical and telling him to to kind of get it together. Yeah, you're challenging him, right? Yeah. What about with Stefan? What about with Stefan? What are we doing there? Are we gonna? Is that a challenge that he just needs to get into a rhythm and training? Mm, it sounds like Stefan maybe on the outs to me. I mean, your, th- your whole thing back in the day was you can't bring Stefan as the third goalkeeper. Cause he's, cause he wants to be the starter. So if he's not the starter, then he doesn't come. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was speculation, right? Because that's, yeah. that's, that would be a clear demotion. You would clearly be demoting a player. And I think that's a tougher thing to manage. Uh, you know, then, then, you know, Sean Johnson's never been first choice. So he comes in knowing what his role is to, to have to like have the conversation with Stefan of like, Hey, you're not the guy anymore. Uh, and you know, you play a position where you're not going to play because you're not the guy anymore. Um, it can be tough and that can be a tough for the locker room and you need a certain mindset, uh, to become a backup goalkeeper. 
Um, and I'm not saying Stefan doesn't have it. I'm just saying I don't know because uh, he was never the guy at Man City, right? He never got demoted at Man City. He was he was always the backup, and I don't think there's any real he ever had any real intention of becoming the number one. Uh, so so it's it's hard to know how he would handle taking an, a clear demotion, an explicit demotion. Yeah. Well, one last one last clip from Burhalter. This is. Uh, taking a question from Sam Stasekel about Tim Ream, who Stasekel said is playing quite well for Fulham in the Premier League. No, he has been doing well. Uh, his team's doing well. He's been captaining the side. And, and you know, some of the things that we're looking for in our center backs is to play a high line, cover a lot of space behind him, be dominant in the air, dominant on offensive and de- defensive set pieces. And, um, you know, that that's not Tim's strength. And, um, you know, but he's a guy that can help the team with the ball. He reads the game really well and, um, you know, is a very good player. In this particular camp, we went with with slightly different profiles and, um, you know, we'll give these guys an opportunity to see what they can do. There's that. And I I should mention he did name drop, you know, Berhalter did name drop a bunch of players at the beginning of the call who were not there. He praised them all. Um, and said he didn't make clear which, which ones were going to be omitted simply because the others were selected over them and which ones were being omitted because there was no need for further evaluation ahead of the World Cup, which I think is what he was saying about PFOC. But he mentioned Stefan and Slanina. Uh, he said Shaq Moore was a difficult decision. I appreciate that, Greg Berhalter. And then <laughs> he, he name-dropped uh, Miazga, Mackenzie, Sands, Reem, and Palmer Brown at center back. He talked about Johnny Cardoso. And Eric Williamson said they're both they're both playing well at center mid right now, and then of course he talked about uh, Pifak and Brandon Vasquez. So a bunch of people got name dropped uh, and praised in their absence. Any I, I don't know any thoughts on Reem or any of the other omissions before we kind of move well, on from the roster. I mean I, th- I think he's kind of setting what his what his thirty player pool is right because I think they even talked about that having about a thirty player pool that was in contention and that's probably that's probably who it is if so if you, if you didn't get name dropped there you're probably not in so sorry to Dwayne Holmes but I just don't think it's going to happen I I'm, <laughs> I know I've said I've made peace with it before but I really hadn't and only now am I making peace with Dwayne Holmes's omission uh, I'm sorry Greg <laughs> Mackenzie Mackenzie and Miaska I think are you know clear floor setting players where if, in a pinch if we bring them in to Qatar because of injury or, or again, shambolic performances from uh, Long or CCV or Richards in this mm-hmm. next camp. Um, it's like, okay, drop Miazga in. M- McKenzie, like these are these are pros who've, I mean, how many teams has Miazga switched to midseason and just kind of jumped in and been fine? So uh, I, th- I think we do set a nice floor in some of these, in some of these spots. Uh, for the most part, again, about this roster feels pretty solid. And and the one sort of real head scratcher is PFOC. But, you know, we get the reason. I think everyone understands the reason, even if they completely, totally disagree with it. Right. Yeah. Plenty of people disagree with it. I, um, I, I don't think anybody's saying PFOC should be starting games for the national team. I don't, I mean, at least very few people are saying that. So we're talking no, no, about. There, is, there, there are some. And I, and I think that's, a, I think that's reasonable. I think uh, I think it just needs to be explored further what that means because I've never been one to say you just have to whoever the whoever the guy is scoring at the highest level should be the starter. I do think you got to be like you got to watch how Union play and watch how he's getting his chances and be like, is that how we would do it? 
would he be able to get similar chances that he's getting if if the team is playing a completely different way? Like, I think you do have to unpack that if you're going to say who's saying he's, he should start. though. I mean, I don't I think I don't I don't have a list of people, but uh, <laughs> it's not crazy. You know, like the, the refrain you hear constantly is he's scoring goals for the team at the top of the Bundesliga table. Now, again, I'm an underlying numbers guy in Union Berlin don't appear to have any hope of maintaining uh, their stranglehold at the top of the Bundesliga if they don't improve their actual performances because their performances haven't been good enough. They're running real hot on chance conversion. Uh, and PFOC is a little bit as well for his, even for his couple of goals. So uh, I don't think it's going to last. But again, the point is, it can't be crazy to say that this guy scoring at this level, at this level of competition, should be the starter. I, I, I just don't think that can be a crazy stance. I'm not saying it's crazy. I just don't think it's that. I think most people, at least most people in my little world, seem to understand wh- what we're trying to do in the attack, and that PFOC, PFOC is would be a great option for you know chasing a game when things are not going your way on the field, but maybe doesn't work if we're trying to build through the number nine. That that's I fair, but I, I think a lot of people are, are willing to accept that, even if they maybe do think that PFOC should be the outright starter. Like, okay, I get that he could be at worst the option off the bench, but I bet I bet a lot of people would say. No, you build things around PFOC. He's the guy who can actually do it. At a, he's proven it in European competition at Champions League, Europa League, and now in the Bundesliga. Like that That's not nothing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I disagree with that, but <laughs> I guess I, I, I'm not going to say that it's a crazy way to look at it. Uh, so anything else on the roster, do you think? I don't think so. I, again, pretty straightforward. The big, the big one was, was PFOC. And again, it's probably, it was discussed to death once it was leaked. Uh, and we, you know, we, we kind of covered it, I think, pretty well here. Yeah, I think it's helpful to listen to Berhalter's comments in full, or not in full, but at least in some length to get a sense of what he's saying. Um, I do think it's, you know, I do think it'd be really hard. I understand sort of the emotional sort of the team, maybe team politics thing of it for Berhalter with uh, leaving Pepe off. He's a striker who scored two game-winning goals for you in qualifying. And, um, and has, and I, I will contend, I will continue to contend has played well, even when he hasn't scored, not amazing, but he's been, he's been a a decent striker for us, even when he doesn't score like against Mexico and in some other matches. So I think it would, I, I I guess in retrospect, it would have been maybe easy to predict that it was hard for going to be hard for Berhalter to leave Pepe off. Yeah, that, that's what we said, right? Can he do it? Like, does he have the metal to do it? And, and I don't mean it in like he's a coward or soft for, for bringing him, but it, it definitely was like, is it is? Would any manager just have to be sentimental enough to bring him, especially to the camp? This isn't even the final roster, right? It's, it's the camp, so to give him that one last shot. I mean, look, Connor Casey didn't go to South Africa, right? Like he he helped yeah. get us there with some huge goals and qualifying. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but it's you know at some point you got to make a choice. Um, so that somebody did their job to help contribute and maybe that's what Pepe's role was. We'll, we'll just have to see how he looks in September, see how he looks in the Netherlands. Uh, and, and I guess we just go from there. Yeah. Plays this weekend, uh, Sunday, I think. Uh, all right, let's, let's talk a little bit about the midweek action. Uh, when it comes to the champions league, our boys had a little bit of a tough time midweek i i think it's fair to say most most of the games were yesterday today's thursday yesterday was wednesday juventus lost to benfica they haven't won yeah juve hasn't won a game since august 
They've won two games and eight tries in Serie A and Champions League, and they have zero points in their Champions League group after losing at PSG and at home against Benfica on Wednesday. A John Brooksless Benfica. He was on the bench. Tough to break again. into eventual Champions League winners, Benfica. <laughs> ben friggin' Fika. <laughs> and then uh, McKenney himself went 90. I don't know. Didn't look particularly sharp to me, but I don't know. He's he Allegri, who 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 knows if he's still even the coach of Juventus as we speak right now, uh, does trust McKenney a lot, so that that counts for quite a bit. Yeah, and we're just we're just we got to get used to this new normal that our very good players are going to look average in some of these competitions uh, because they're not. I mean, they're again they're not the best players in the world, even if they're very good players. So uh, I'm at peace with I'm at peace with it and just enjoying the the number of games I can turn on and watch with Americans playing in the Champions League where you can throw Celtic on and watch CCV doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like this is this is fun. So uh, I'm not getting I'm I'm trying not to get too caught up in the minute by minute by minute by minute performances, especially for guys who are, you know McKenny who's going to be in our starting eleven regardless. Uh, and then I'm hoping that then this camp in Germany for the U.S will be a nice break where they can really let loose and be in sort of get, uh, cause it kind of feels like that's the vibe around the U S team, right? That they get to get in there, let loose a little bit. And, and I think it'll be a nice, a nice break for everybody. Honestly, it feels like it will be, um, you know, McKinney, McKinney getting whistled at a little bit over the weekend for hitting a bad cross. And it's gotta be, I'm sure it'll be nice to get together with the, with your countrymen, I suppose. Uh, hope that's not a problematic thing to say. Um, let's see. So McKenny, yeah, McKenny, McKenny. Okay. Uh, I agree with you though. The, the, all these reps they're getting at this really high level. It seems like it's, it's fine. It's going to be fine when the world cup comes. Dortmund blew a late one zero lead over man city and lost two one at the Etihad. Thanks to a phew, incredible goal from Erling Holland in the 84th minute. What even is that man? <laughs> uh, it's Gio Reyna's soulmate, I think. Uh, Reyna started, which is a huge deal. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, again, that's the, that's the takeaway. We've got Gio Reyna starting in that game. What do you go? 70? 60 on the dot. 60 minutes on the dot. Uh, you know, so he's going to, again, camp. this camp is in his backyard. He gets to just mosey over there on a scooter, uh, hopefully play 100 minutes total <laughs> in the two games. Yep. Uh, dazzle, and then and then go back semi rested. Yep. Yeah, he was he was okay in this game. Dortmund was bunkered for most of it. Um, they kind of they snatched a goal in the second half before blowing the lead. Um, I thought he had a couple nice little moments on the half turn from Reyna, but didn't get a ton of opportunity to to do his thing, which is fine. AC Milan won over. Dinamo Zagreb at the San Siro and Des came on late to play a little right wing. Just kind of ran around, just kind of ran around out there a little bit. I don't know. He doesn't, doesn't really look like he's comfortable in that spot, but at least he's getting some minutes. Hopefully he can get a start at right back. Maybe this weekend, Calabria, the guy in front of him has played a lot of minutes lately. Uh, as you mentioned, CCV and Celtic played uh, Shakhtar Donetsk yesterday to a 1-1 draw in Warsaw. They're not playing. Shakhtar Donetsk is a Ukrainian club. They're not playing their games in Ukraine right now. So um, 
that's and, pretty good. Go ahead. Yeah, I've been waiting for I've been waiting for those clips to pull up on Y Scout because that's the, I'm I'm for some reason I'm like most drawn to watching CCV's clips because I honestly think with Richards's lack of minutes, uh, Palace don't play this weekend, so his next game, Richards's next chance to play will be after the window, and he hasn't been you know in the starting lineup anyway. Uh, like I'm wondering if CCV could be the guy, and so uh the, st- the clips aren't up yet but once they are i'm gonna i'm gonna deep dive into those again because he seems to be the where i my interest is right now good good yeah i'm i love that that's your interest um and i don't know that you know even if palace were playing this weekend the very very slim odds that richards would start anyway it's it's gay and um Joachim anderson who are gonna be getting the starts in a in that palace side all right, the last one is Chelsea drew Salzburg 1-1. Pulisic came on for the last 10 minutes. He looked pretty bright, didn't he? And played a good ball to the back post for Hakeem Ziyech in the 87th minute, I think it was. Ziyech had a chance to do something there, didn't, didn't do much. But I don't know, Pulisic looked all right. Better than maybe he has in the last couple outings. Uh, I mean, a crisp body language. He was buzzing a little bit, I thought, every time he was near the ball uh, in a positive way. Uh, I know, I know I'm maybe reading too much into that, but yeah, 10 you minutes. love and- crisp body language. <laughs> um, I mean, there's literally something about the way his feet were moving where I was like, oh, he is like trying, he's looking to do something. It was not lackadaisical, not resigned mm-hmm. to, to, uh, you know, things breaking down. Like he looked hopeful every time he got the ball with his entire body that something could happen here. And he did within, within his 11 minutes, uh, delivered a great ball to Ziek, nice clipped ball. Uh, where he'd cut in from the left over to his right foot and, and hit a fantastic ball that ZX should have squared across with his head, but instead <laughs> greedy went for goal uh, to the consternation of uh, everyone else doing their best Gio Reyna impressions. So uh, yeah, he should have gone horizontal and hit it with the outside of his left foot <laughs> like Holland. So what a so- goal that was unbelievable. <laughs> Who, hey, who are you cheering for here, buddy? Like Holland, Holland can't play for us. Norway's not in the Norway's not in the World Cup. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an amazing. It's an amazing thing to witness that guy. Really. Uh, okay. Sorry, I interrupted you with. The <laughs> That's all I had. It, it looked like it looked like Pulisic was was having some fun. I hope that carries over uh, into Germany for camp. Yep. Okay. Hey. Uh, I haven't mentioned this, but if you uh, if you are able, please consider joining the Patreon. We've got a lot of exciting stuff going on. The The Monday reviews will be delivered directly to your phone every week. We have a great interview with Jimmy Conrad uh, in which he has the greatest comeback against Michael Bradley that maybe you've ever heard. You have to be a patron to hear that part of it. Uh, so Bradley called him a clown for something he said. No, no, no. Leave it there. Leave it there. Don't give him too much. Okay. And then, uh, tremendous interview. You and Waki absolutely uh, have a great way of interviewing, uh, where you ask unexpected questions and and let them let them really uh, get into some interesting territory. Yeah, Jimmy's Jimmy's a gamer for that kind of thing, so credit to him. But yeah, I think I I, I felt it felt good off the fingertips, as they say. <laughs> and then um, the I'm still I'm almost ready to publish the 2002 win over Mexico recap. So we have a sort of a series of historic recaps. Um, we're trying to, we're working on the discord, trying to do some, uh, some improvements there, some home improvement renovation type work there. And I have something I'm really excited about is we have a, we have a new channel where you can upload 
voice memos or any audio clip that you find interesting for us to consider putting in the podcast. And um, we actually just rolled that out this morning and I'm pretty excited about that. So anyway, check out the Patreon. The, The link is in the show notes. You can join for as little as two bucks a month. Thank you, Greg. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll see ya.